The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Gaza, more civilians are expected to leave via the Rafa crossing today after it opened for the first time to people yesterday afternoon. The region witnessed fierce fighting overnight with the Israeli military saying that they've killed dozens of Hamas fighters. Journalist Hannah McCarthy is in Israel and joins us on the line. Hannah, good morning. Morning, Pop. Let's talk about what has happened overnight. We saw yesterday that the refugee camp was uh, targeted yet again by the Israelis. And you may have heard in the opening clip the Israelis saying they're careful to avoid collateral damage or to minimise it. Uh, So they certainly killed people, whether they killed Hamas leaders, as they say, or otherwise it's hard to, to know. But they also have lost troops themselves. Yes, so many people will have seen the the, uh, co- the coverage of the attack on Jabalia refugee camp. It's a, a very densely populated part of northern Gaza where uh, the Israeli forces had said they told the locals to evacuate. Uh, we're seeing estimates of about 200 people uh, have died from that uh, attack and more are missing. Uh, we've seen some quite strong condemnation from both uh, the Irish government as well as the UN who are saying there's possible... Uh, grounds uh, that this could be a, a war crime. Uh, the Israel spokes, uh, people that have been out, you know, defending this have said it was a proportionate response on the basis that there was a senior Hamas commander uh, who was responsible for the very bloody attack on Israel on the 7th of October. Uh, but, you know, there's been a lot of criticism from human rights organizations that this is not a proportionate attack. You, you know, you should not be uh, killing 200 mm. civilians in order to take out Uh, you know, several Hamas militants. Yeah. Uh, The IDF have confirmed, though, they have lost uh, a number of their forces too. Yes, they've confirmed that they have lost uh, men in fighting on the ground. Uh, There is, it's hard to kind of, you know, verify some of these claims. They've got quite strong reporting measures uh, on press about, you know, what information can be released about the deaths of soldiers uh, and, you know, whether they're kind of succeeding in on the ground uh, um, battles with uh, Hamas militants. So, so far they have confirmed uh, about a dozen or so have died. Now, there's an interesting development stateside, whether it was inadvertent or not, but uh, President Joe Biden uh, called for a pause. He was uh, speaking at a, a fundraiser to about 200 people and a heckler shouted out, as a rabbi, I need you to call for a ceasefire right now. And Joe Biden responded, I think we need a pause a pause means give time to get the prisoners out. How significant is that scene in Israel? Uh, well, it's significant in that you know before this we didn't hear him you know using that language at all, and uh, both he and other you know major Western countries have been very reluctant to use uh, language like calling for a ceasefire. The Irish government has, uh, but at an EU level, that, that that language couldn't be agreed. And and really, what pause means is that you know there's going to be you know a pause in the fighting to allow humanitarian aid into Gaza like some of the 7000 foreign passport holders in the Gaza strip out uh, but really it's it's saying that Israel will still have a right to continue uh, its war against Hamas after that yeah it, the point has been made a couple of times that it's all very well for the Israelis uh, to call uh, a pause themselves but they need to be sure there's a pause on the other side as well from Hamas and no guarantee of that yeah, and I mean, I was in Tel Aviv yesterday, and you know, we were still going to um, bomb shelters because of um, rockets that were being um, fired into Israel. So Hamas still has the capability to launch rockets, uh, which again calls into question maybe some, the scale of the civilian 
uh, harm uh, in the Gaza Strip versus the fact that, you know, Hamas still seem to have the capability uh, to launch rockets and to engage in on-the-ground warfare. Mm. Now, the, the Rafa crossing is going to be crucial in terms of the humanitarian effort, but also in terms of those who are carrying dual passports or uh, foreign nationals who just carry the passport of their own country to allow them to exit. And not all will want to leave, uh, leave behind the work they've been doing, but many people would like to exit Gaza ASAP. Yes, so um, I, I saw kind of a, there was a, a list distributed of about 600 people yesterday by the Gazan authorities. Uh, the biggest kind of nationality on that group was Jordanian. There was also some European countries, uh, Finland, Bulgaria, Czech Republic. Ireland wasn't on that list. Uh, and I know Ibrahim Alaga, who's an Irish-Palestinian man in the Gaza Strip, you know, was uh, critical of the fact that, you know, him and his family weren't there. Uh, there's been, you know, the, the negotiations around this have been uh, have not been very transparent. Uh, and I know I think there was kind of a bit of surprise that morning um, among kind of Irish diplomats that this was suddenly kind of happening. Uh, and I know they've been reaching out and they're keen to get you know Irish citizens uh, in the next tranche of people who will be evacuating through the Rafa crossing. There is also, you know, um, Irish people working for the UN who won't be leaving, who will be staying on. Uh, to continue their role, which, you know, I think is very brave and in very, very difficult circumstances. You know, these are people who lost colleagues over the last couple of weeks, but, you know, they're staying there to do a job uh, that they need to do. Now, hundreds of people, therefore, will exit Gaza through the Rafa crossing. But how much is going in the other way? How much aid is managing to get through? So there has been an increase in aid, but from all the reports we've seen, it's a drop in the ocean and there is not enough aid. And again, the biggest kind of, you know, uh, point that remains under debate is that there's no fuel going in. Uh, on one hand, hospitals are saying they cannot operate any longer. ICUs are going to stop. Um, incubators for premature babies uh, are not going to have fuel. On the other hand, the Israelis say that they don't want any fuel going into Gaza that could be used by Hamas to launch rocket attacks or could be used to power the ventilation systems that they use in their underground tunnels. Yeah. It, within Israel itself, is there any debate very much about the humanitarian disaster that's unfolding for many people in Gaza? I was at an, uh, the kind of first anti-war rally uh, in Tel Aviv uh, last Saturday. It was it was very small. I was at the uh, anti-government protests there earlier in the year where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people came out. Uh, but there is a kind of, you know, small nascent, you know, anti-war. Um, I don't necessarily want to say movement, um, but there are people who are like, you know, calling for an end to the strikes. Uh, there's also um, kind of maybe broader support uh, for the hostages' families who are saying, look, this this type of ground invasion is going to risk the lives of, of our family members. It, it reduces the chances that we're going to get them back. You know, we are hearing reports that there was, uh, you know, you know, there was kind of, you know, the end of negotiations between uh, Hamas and Israel over a prisoner exchange if there was a ceasefire. Uh, but again, Israel has not called a ceasefire and, you know, thousands of Palestinians remain uh, in prison, uh, in Israeli prisons, uh, and you know, most of the hostages still remain uh, in Gaza. Are there other countries besides Qatar getting involved in negotiating with Hamas? Uh, well, it's, it's very, dipl- it, you know, 
officially many countries will not be negotiating with Hamas because they are both their political wing and their military wing is labeled as a terrorist organization, you know, in contrast to Hezbollah, where its political wing is not labeled a terrorist organization. So officially Qatar are kind of one of the main interlocutors. Uh, but I think there's, there's certainly, uh, you know, I've heard, you know, in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv that there are kind of, you know, back channels being kind of pursued you know, from certain kind of Western countries who are keen to get their citizens back from the Gaza Strip. But again, I'm sure we will hear more kind of when hopefully they're released. Now, what is the mood on the West Bank? I mean, is there likely to be unrest there? There has been a massive uptick in violence since the 7th of October there. Uh, Over uh, 100 Palestinians have been killed by uh, Israeli soldiers uh, and settlers uh, and around 900 Palestinians have been uh, forced to leave their homes because of an uptick in settler violence. Uh, I visited, um, you know, three different kind of villages uh, that all actually have, you know, European support, including support um, from Irish funding. Uh, and, you know, you know, one village had completely left um, after, you know, a very violent attack uh, after the 7th of October. Uh, there was another village I visited while it was packing up. You know, they just decided there was too much. Um, there was kind of t- nighttime attacks happening uh, and they just no longer felt safe and no longer felt that they could stay uh, in their homes. These are homes that they were born in. Uh, this is land that they have, you know, farmed and you know herded sheep on for generations. Uh, and, you know, there's other uh, villages that are kind of, you know, saying we're not leaving. But at the same time, you know, they, there's a huge um protective presence from Israeli activists there who are going out and staying overnight with these communities uh, to help protect them from some of the attacks we're seeing from Israeli settlers there. And uh, finally, the the Pope, Pope Francis, has uh, said two well-defined states is the wise solution for this conflict. He bemoans the number of people who are going to die because of the ongoing conflict. And he would like the two-state solution to encompass special status for the holy city of uh, Jerusalem. Um, it's probably good to hear from the Pope, but I'm not sure it'll make any difference in the region. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, for many people, they'll, they'll have heard these statements before. They'll have heard people talk about, you know, two-state solution. But the reality is the kind of um, encroachment on Palestinian territory that we've seen in the West Bank, it's making, you know, the West Bank, you know, it's it's an archipelago uh, of kind of, you know, Palestinian land and uh, with settlements in, dotted in between that make it incredibly hard for there to be a functioning Palestinian you know, state within the West Bank. So, I mean, if if those statements are to be taken meaningfully, uh, you know, there has to be a, a major change in what we've seen in terms of settlement activity that has dramatically increased during the Trump administration in the West Bank. Hannah McCarthy, thank you very much for joining us from Israel. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.